Hey everybody, this is Chad with I Want to Know. I'm here today with an amateur MMA fighter, Connor the Crypto Knight Krebs. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you, Chad? Doing well. I, uh, as most of our fans know, and I think you know, I'm a huge MMA fan. I've been watching since 1993. So why don't you tell uh, everybody why you got into MMA? Uh, I was uh, a big pro wrestling fan growing up, and then. Uh, as far as I knew, like the best way to get into professional wrestling was through amateur wrestling, like the Kurt Angles or the Brock Lesnar's or Bobby Lashley's of the world. So I started uh, amateur wrestling in high school, and then I found the UFC and realized wrestling was fake, and <laughs> decided I wanted to do that. So I just kept kept plugging away and started training in my basement, and eventually. Uh, went into a gym once I graduated high school and I've never looked back. Nice. I uh, I have a little gym set up in my basement so if you got time before uh, or after the podcast is done want me to go down hit some pads or something. Definitely uh, that'd be great. It'd be nice to do some training with a higher level guy. <laughs> uh so you you started wanting to be like WWE guy. Yeah. And so you obviously did uh, a lot of uh wrestling practicing, athletic, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I love sports. I'm really good at a lot of sports, not baseball, but <laughs> <laughs> apart from that, I'm I'm pretty uh, decent across the board. Awesome. And so how many fights have you had now? Uh, I just had my fourth fight on uh, Friday. Nice. And so uh, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit because uh, one of the things that um, happens in MMA is guys will uh, shit talk or bash each other pretty good trying to rip <laughs> up the fight. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit how that went? Yeah, uh, me and Isaiah have known each other for quite a while, and uh, he's got a big social media presence, and he likes to talk a bit of crap before his fights, and uh, I got a, a bit of a mouth on me as well, so <laughs> I had no no problem playing into that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty heated fight, but... Uh, I watched a few of the Facebook uh, back and forth with you guys, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're entertaining to say the least. Do you guys need to get uh, some videos going where you're... You're calling him out on video instead of just in type. Did you see the conference call? No. Oh, we did a conference call for MMA Empire. We were both scheduled to have separate interviews, just written interviews. Uh, and I said, let me listen to his. And he said, well, I haven't done his yet. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it together. Let's do a conference <laughs> call. He's like, you know what? That's a great idea. So Joel set it up and we did a conference call and... Yeah, it got it got a lot of great feedback. It went it went over really well. Very cool. We'll put the link to it if we can in the uh, afterwards, so people can listen to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So that all being said, all the smack talk before the fight and the the hatred that there was there, you were saying that there was a fair amount of respect after the fight by Isaiah. Yeah, definitely. Apart from the post fight celebration, which you can't blame him. Yeah, Adrenaline's running gotta high. Gotta be excited, right? Yeah, um, he's been super respectful. Even in the interview afterward, he was pretty respectful, and we squashed the beef right away. I bought him a beer after the fight, nice. and uh, we're cool. Cool, cool, yeah. I think that um, a lot of people don't realize that that MMA guys really are martial artists at heart, is that Definitely. you guys have this utmost respect, and but there's got to be something to build up the fight, right? It can't just be two dudes clashing in a ring and then walking away. Yeah, and it definitely adds motivation, too. It's It's hard to get up every day and train two, three times a day, every day, and it, it gets uh, kind of stale. But when you got that extra motivation of talking crap and you see him posting <laughs> pictures online and this and that, it uh, it makes it easy. <laughs> you know, I, I obviously watch a lot, Bellator, UFC, um, right. even some of the lower-ranked uh, uh, events and stuff like that. 
guys do a really good job of talking smack and girls never do. But I think it's an ego <laughs> thing, right? Like I shouldn't say they never do, but the the guys, it just seems that, that they know how to push each other's buttons like nobody else. Definitely. I find you you can always tell when it's fake, though. There's a lot of guys where it's like it's ingenuine. They're just trying to be someone else, and you can tell the guys that are really good because it's coming from the heart. Yeah. I, I, that's a really interesting point about the girls not being very good at trash talk because you're absolutely right, and I never even yeah. considered that before. I think one-on-one, if there's just the two of them in a room, they can make each other very angry. Oh, but definitely. I think like playing that, that warrior, playing that... Um, I don't know even what the right word to describe it is, but like just, you know, trying to destroy someone's ego in public to a guy, that's that, that is like what revs you up and gets you going. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of like questioning their manhood and like, yeah. That's what we are at heart, right? We're warriors at heart. Yeah. Trying and to so be the alpha. Yeah. And you try to tell some guy, well, you're not, you're not good at this. And you're not, <laughs> fuck you, I am. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty funny how our egos are. I, and it, it's probably a really good thing that someone would, uh, you know, your corner is obviously stroking your ego, trying to get you excited. Yeah. And your opponent is like, you're nothing. You're a piece of crap. You're this, you're that. And yeah, that's beautiful. Um, it's something that wasn't in MMA for a long time. Time uh, right. you get it a little bit, you know, like the the Diaz brothers would do a little bit. Tito and Tito, yeah. Um, Chael kind of stepped the game <laughs> yeah, up a little really. bit, and then Connor uh, McGregor has like Took just shot it level. through the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's phenomenal. What do you think about the uh, the Connor Khabib fight? I'm the biggest Connor McGregor mark. Um, everyone says I want to be be him, but um, it's tough because we got the same name and. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh, we got similar backgrounds and stuff, and he's super successful. So why would you not look up to right. somebody like that? But he gets a a lot of flack for his trash talk and his actions. But yeah, it was it was definitely tough to watch. And watching him lose the same way, the rear naked choke, turning away from the choke when you know right. they've got to be drilling that. I don't know. I think it's just a mental mental lapse when you know you're you can't overcome an obstacle and you just, uh, instead of trying to fight through it, you just, you give up. I don't know. You see a lot of guys go through that. I think he was actually injured. I think Khabib on ground and pound hits harder than what people anticipate. Oh, definitely. And then his control down there, like you got no place to go. When he's swinging at you, he's hitting like, I don't know what that stat is, but it's got to be close to 100%. Oh, yeah. He doesn't miss when he's got you pinned on the ground. Yeah, he's the best at that by far. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if they have a rematch. I'll be curious to see who McGregor fights next if it isn't Khabib. I'd like to see the Nate fight again. Um, well, I'd love to see. GSP's probably way too big. I don't know. Who else could he fight? Uh the Poirier rematch they're talking about doesn't really interest me. I'd like to see a Holloway rematch. Ooh, that would be a good one, yeah. yeah. Hol- Holloway really gave him a hard time inside the ring. Um, Chad Mendes gave him a pretty hard time, but I don't think Mendes is ranked high enough to get another another fight. No, and he was off for like two years with a, with a suspension. I think he's had like two wins since then, but yeah, I don't see that, that happening yeah. again. Huh. The Frankie Edgar fight's always looming. I'd like I'd like to see that because I think Connor and Frankie. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good fight too. Yeah, and people always count him out in that fight and said he was ducking Frankie because he took the Chad Mendes fight instead of Frankie when Aldo pulled out. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't think he makes those decisions. I think the UFC 
chose his opponents. I don't think Connor handpicked his opponents, but yeah, I don't know I'm what the rule would be with that. I'm guessing he gets somewhat <laughs> of, a, of a choice. Sorry, my dog scared the crap out of you. <laughs> um, Connor would get uh, once he started winning and and getting the following. I think he would get somewhat of a choice in there, but you know, if it's like last minute and the fight's on, what are you gonna do, right? You, yeah, that's what you got a choice of. It's Frankie or or Mendez. What are you gonna do? Yeah, and he was ranked. I think Chad Mendez was ranked number two. Connor was ranked number one. Jose Aldo yeah. was the champion. So Frankie was ranked number three. Chad was the the logical, yeah, yeah, uh, replacement. Right. So yeah, cool, cool. So so tell us about your fight. It didn't go your way, but uh, and you had some upsets in the fight. So let's let's hear it. Yeah, it was tough. It was it was really heated. So uh, I was really worried about having an adrenaline dump. I was super worried coming into this fight because of all the build-up and all the the pressure and it was uh probably my biggest fight actually definitely my biggest fight because yeah. there's so much build-up around it so i was really uh nervous about how i would handle the pressure in the moment and how i'd feel the I did. I did a much different weight cut this time was, sorry i'll get back to the weight. was it a large crowd there what was in the uh, stadium oh i really couldn't tell you i've fought for much bigger crowds though okay um yeah the weight cut was a lot different i put on way more weight than i usually do uh in the 24 hours after the fight yeah so i was curious how i how i'd feel but i actually felt great in there um but 20 seconds in he goes for a takedown and uh i go to block it my i uh pushed off the cage to uh just to regain my balance and the ref said i i grabbed the cage and stopped the takedown mm which in the back before the fight, he, uh, the refs do their, their uh, rule breakdown and they talk to you and if you have any questions, they answer them. And he said, yeah, yeah I don't play that game if, if you uh, grab the cage and it stops the takedown. I'm taking a point regardless yeah. of no warnings. And but you, you could use your hand to stop the takedown without actually grabbing the cage, just the friction of pushing your fist against the cage. Yeah. And that's not against the rules. Right. And that's what I was trying to do, but like... Uh, I you just saw it differently. Yeah, and if you've ever trained in a cage, like, have, have you ever? A little bit, yeah. yeah. When you're not, your fingers just naturally just kind of fall through it. Yeah. And uh, it's not even intentional. And uh, I train. I we have a cage in our gym, and I train in it all the time. And it's just it's just something that happens. And yeah. it's it's also just like, it's just natural for yeah. for you to grab onto something and prevent the takedown but uh i remember i think it was a uh, tito versus chuck that tito had done right? that a couple times yeah. in the fight and uh i don't think it was intentional but it was just one of those like you're falling over backwards you're just scraping to get your hands on something and your fingers go in but yeah so they docked a point for you for in that fight <laughs> yeah 20 seconds in and i'm down a point <laughs> oh, that's a hard go yeah so i'm Im- immediately into panic mode and uh, desperation mode yeah so uh, I ran across the ring and and uh, threw another body kick and got it caught again. And uh, he went to take me down. I reversed. I got on top and got back up. And I took him down and started landing some some really good ground and pound. Uh, I really think like if I was if I was in that position for a little bit longer, I think I could have got the finish. But I mean, hindsight. I mean, you never know. <laughs> That's right. But. Uh, he started uh, to trying to recover guard and going for underhooks, and he, he leaned up, and I went to stop him by using head pressure and trying to stick my forehead in his chest, and he came up a little bit too far, and and uh, my forehead caught his chin a little bit, and even though it was inadvertent, the ref still stopped it, and yeah. 
told me I lost a position. He's going to start us on the feet again. Yeah. So now I've got people yelling at me from outside the cage. You're a cheater. <laughs> you're this. You're that. Go kick him in the nuts. And, oh. and uh, yeah, I just totally lost my composure and just went for the kill. And he was able to uh, – he, he shot – I went, again, back to the well and went for a leg kick and a body kick, which – was not in the game plan at all. Yeah. I was going to use my hands, which I didn't use much of in this fight. And uh, he caught the kick, uh, just about got me down. And then I tried to uh, snap down, uh, but he had really good uh, uh, control of the bot of the uh, palm to palm. Yeah. Um, I call it monkey grip. I don't know if that's a real name for it. <laughs> yeah. And he had it really low and he had, he had, he was really strong in some positions. And then I just felt, way stronger in other positions so yeah. i was like i had a false sense of confidence throughout all of our grappling yeah and uh he just he would get to certain positions where i'd feel great and then i'd be stuck and then i'd i feel like i could get out at any time and then i'd be stuck again and so he's he got me in uh he went for a guillotine and then he switched it to, to a darce and i uh i started going out a little bit so i stumbled and i, I actually uh stumbled out of it i uh fell out of it and then he switched it to a guillotine, and then I felt fine, and then he, he pulled guard, and I was stuck. That was it. Wow, yeah. Some guys just have tight squeeze, eh? Yeah, he had a, a really great squeeze, and I was working on guillotines leading up to the fight, but uh, he's got a much better one than I do. <laughs> nice, nice. So you were, were you drilling uh, escapes or just the actual guillotine? Both. Nice, yeah. yeah. The escapes are hard, right? Some of it you just have to, you know, endure the pain, endure the uncomfortableness of it, and then uh, wait for their arms to get tired before you can get out, right? Yeah, I should have uh, put more pressure on him and stood up, but he uh, he he put on a body triangle right away. It was nice. super deep, yeah. super fast, so I, I was screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to live to fight again another day, you don't look like you took any bangs at all in the fight. You had that Friday and today's Monday morning, and uh, you, you look fresh. You look clean. Yeah, it's tough. I, he didn't land a single strike, and I still still lost. It's tough. Yeah. Tough to swallow. It's funny. When I, when I watch MMA, I know what the rules for judging are, but yet when you watch, you go, oh, well, who's landing more? Like, if this is a schoolyard fight, who is going to take this fight, right? Yeah. And that doesn't always line up with what the MMA rules are for judging. Right, yeah. A lot of times it goes the other way. How do you find the judges, or not the judges, the, uh, well, the judges too, the judges and the referees and the amateurs, are they well-skilled or they're still working their way up? Um, well, these guys are, they're doing it, uh, pretty well every week i think they're just going around all around western canada yeah um i ran into the referee the night um the night of the fight he was uh, it was like four o'clock in the morning when i was getting back to the hotel and he was already leaving to fly out and go to another oh, place wow. to referee another fight so i think they get lots of experience i think um just like any position of power that you uh, you develop a little bit of an ego and yeah and stuff and you kind of make some some questionable calls but uh well in the they're, they're it's so fast like what you guys yeah. are doing that yeah, that's right you know for them to go oh, was that a headbutt or was that chest control was that yeah. actually grabbing the cage or that just his fingers gliding around the cage like you have a split second to make that decision and make that call and it being people 
they would still have their favorites and like, oh, I really like this guy or he's from my hometown or what. There has to be. I think the high level guys, maybe not, but the, the guys that haven't made it to the UFC or Bellator level referees probably have a little bit of that inside of them too. Yeah. And I wonder about that. I, I wasn't, uh, super nice to him before the fight. I kind of <laughs> regret that now. <laughs> Gotta make friends when you them. can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a, a mistake I'll learn from in the future. So is this your goal? Like, this isn't just for fun. You're, you're looking to become a professional, work your way up to Bellator, UFC, FC1, something like that? Yeah, that was definitely the goal. But uh, after losing on Friday, I mean, I'm 2-2 two and two as an amateur. It's you got to go back to the drawing board and really consider where where I'm at and yeah. where I'm going to go from here. But, uh, yeah, the plan is to uh, to get another fight early next year and just go from there. Cool, cool. Take it fight by fight. I, uh, you're fighting out of Kensei MMA, is that yeah. right? Yeah, in Red Deer. In Red Deer. There's not a lot of MMA coming out of Red Deer right now. So do you have good training partners? Do you have good sparring partners? Yeah, our gym is actually booming. It's the best it's ever it's ever been in the four years I've been there. Cool. We've got uh, tons of guys, lots of guys my size, which is why I haven't gone anywhere else. Um, and there's a there's a couple rival gyms in in the area, but uh, I think I, I'm really comfortable with where cool. where I'm at, where where our gym's at. Yeah, you're probably a top 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 ranked guy in your gym right now. Yeah, we don't have any pros. Uh, I've got the most fights in in our gym right now so yeah i'm definitely up there cool cool and what are you doing for uh training like how often and what are you doing um i'm when i'm training for a fight i'm in there six seven days a week two to three times a day wow yeah what are they like they have a, a wrestling class a jiu-jitsu class kickboxing boxing they they separate it out or is it all just strictly mma training yeah, so we break it down to uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are jiu-jitsu, and Wednesdays and Thursdays are uh, kickboxing. And then after each one of those classes is a cardio class, yeah. um, cardio kickboxing. And uh, a lot of times there's weights and, and, uh, and uh, I don't know, different kinds of training that we do. Um, and then I also have a key to the gym, so... I'll go in there once or twice on my own with uh, and invite a bunch of guys that are uh, at my level, and we'll go in and, and spar and work on technique and cool. wrestling, jiu-jitsu, do all the in-between stuff that doesn't always get covered in class. Nice, nice. Um, that's nice having a group of guys your own size because it's difficult to find in some gyms, right? Yeah, definitely. When I started there, there wasn't a lot of guys my size, and it was just me getting my ass kicked <laughs> all the time. But, yeah, now it's... Uh, it's really nice having a bunch of guys the same size. Cool. Does your uh, lead coach have any MMA experience? Yeah, he's uh, he's got two MMA professional belts. Um, What's his name? Kent Brown. Kit Brown? Kent Brown. Kent yeah. Brown, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard him. Where did he fight? Um, he fought for, what was that one in, in Alberta? Not Adrenaline, but uh, it was like 2006, 2007. Not like, hard knocks. No, not hard knocks. They're done now, uh, eh? Uh, MXC or MFC? MFC. MFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I fought a couple them. times for MFC. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, does he do this full time now? He's just uh, just coaching. Yeah, he owns a gym. He's owned it for uh, around ten years, I think. Very cool. So you've been there well half the time. He's been open. 
Yeah, just about. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so who, if you had to pick someone in the future, who, uh, who are you going to fight? Do you have a name in front of you or someone on your mind? Uh, it, it, this fight really threw me for a loop because I had it all planned out and I was not expecting to lose at all. So uh, the plan was to fight Albera. He just uh, beat Isaiah in, in August for the title. Okay. So I was hoping to beat Isaiah faster and, and then be able to fight Albera for the title. But uh, that's obviously not the case now. Um, the Nationals are in uh, in April, I believe, in Lethbridge. So uh, I think I'm going to do that and just take whoever they give me. It's cool, a tournament cool. format, so whoever I fight, I fight. And maybe I can... Uh, it's an MMA tournament? Yeah, the Nationals. Wow, I've never even heard of them. i got to look them up. Yeah, so you fight like uh, once a day for like three days in a row. And then Ooh. the winners go to internationals. Jet Grand from Red Deer yeah. just went to Bahrain and became the world champion. Very cool. Yeah. So, sorry, you fight every day for three days? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, from what I understand, I'm pretty sure that's that's how it works. So you haven't done this before? No. No, I, I've, uh, I've thought about it for the last three years, but uh, it's just never worked out. And I, I don't really know about going to the internationals. That doesn't really interest me, but... yeah. I think become doing a tournament is definitely on the bucket list. I mean, that's how the sport began was absolutely tournament format. So it'd be a really, really cool thing to do. That's got to be tough. I mean, definitely the, uh, even hard sparring guys won't do it more than once a week. Yeah. And, uh, it's a little different because like you can't cut the weight three days in a row and you have to weigh in three days in a row. So you got to so, fight as close to your natural weight as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've done before. We did same day weigh-ins for my, uh, my rumble in the cage 52 fight with Evan Piercy. Yeah. So, uh, I have a little bit of experience doing that, but yeah, I think it'd be really interesting. Did you feel better doing that at, at natural weight than, than cutting? Uh, no, I, I rehydrated <laughs> wrong and ate the wrong stuff and whatnot. Okay. And it was just, it was a lot of stress to put on fight day, weighing in and getting to the venue and getting, well, I had to drive four hours to, to Lethbridge. Yeah. It's just a lot of, a lot of stress put on one day. It's nice to, to break it up with the weigh-ins the day before, you settle in, get in the city, get your feel, yeah. and then have that 24 hours to, to recover and, and fight so, again. So you'd prefer the cut then? Definitely. And really? I, I, I'm weird. I, I enjoy the weight cut. I hate it, but it makes me mean. It makes me want to, uh, <laughs> <I bet. laughs> makes me want to get in there and hurt somebody. And I'm yeah. too nice of a guy to, to fight without a weight cut. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, that organization in Shanghai, I think, that uh, at the professional level, they're not allowing weight cuts anymore. So they're measuring you. I'm trying to remember what organization. One FC. One FC, yeah. yeah. And uh, it seems like they're putting on some really good fights. Uh, you'd have to find your motivation somewhere else, but uh, I think it would be healthier long term, don't you? For for the fighters, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's the most it's the healthier way to do it, but uh, it's just not my personal preference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how you have to uh, find motivation somewhere else. You watch guys uh, even weight trading at the gym. It's like they're they're getting angry in the change room before they even go to lift. I'm like, dude, what are you so mad about? <laughs> getting themselves all worked up just to go push some weights. So I'm like, just if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Uh, cool. So you're so this is nationals in Lethbridge coming up in spring. Um, and what was the organization you fought for on Friday? It was Darren Cliffs, right? 
Yeah, excessive force fighting championship. Excessive force, yeah. yeah. I would. Uh, I think I'm going to start bugging him to see if I can get him on the podcast. I've talked to him online a couple of times, but uh, that's as close as I've got. I never actually asked him. Have you ever met Lee Mean? Um, no, but uh, someone just recently was telling me that he's still training out of Lethbridge, right? Yeah, he's still fighting. He's like, he's old. <laughs> he's like late forties. And uh, hey. he's still kicking ass. <laughs> well, for a fighter, that's yeah. Really for old. a fighter, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. I shook his hand uh, a, a couple months ago, and he can't even close his hand properly. And he's still going out there and beating wow. guys up. He he's amazing. But yeah, he runs Rumble in the Cage out of out of Lethbridge, and he okay. he's fighting, training, still running a promotion. He'd be a really great guy to get on here. Yeah, he's a great guy too, and and uh, obviously the father of Jordan Mean, uh, a current UFC fighter who's been in there for quite a while yeah jordan's doing awesome yeah yeah he's uh recovering from an injury right now but uh he's still under contract he just signed a new contract with the ufc cool, so he'll cool. be back so at this level obviously you're not getting paid for fights yet looking for sponsorship and having to work a regular job so what is your what does your days look like uh in the summer i'm a lot busier i uh usually just train once once a day um and i'll usually do a cardio class too but uh, in the winter, I do uh, snow removal and construction, and my company's really good about uh, working working around my training schedule. So yeah. usually I'll work really early in the morning and uh, get off in time for training around 6. Nice, nice, nice. That's, uh, that's a hard go to have a full-time job and to, to train. When uh, I trained, I was a sales rep for Napa, so it's not too physical. Um, and, uh, trained under David Lee in Kelowna at, uh, Toshido's there. And so yeah. I would just go at night and then we would do gym stuff and tournaments and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I know what it's like to have a full-time job and, and try to squeeze a bunch of stuff in. It's a hard go. Yeah, it's tough. My, uh, my girlfriend's super understanding though. So that makes it a lot easier. Nice. Do you guys live together? Yeah. Awesome. So that's, uh, more like the Conor McGregor thing too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She makes it easy for me. Cool. Cool. And so who, who takes control of your or um, like what you guys are going to do for a fight? Is it your your coach that helps you? Do you sit down with some buddies and just work out like what a game plan is? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I'm a bit of a of an assistant coach right now. My my coach is super busy with the gym, and uh, it's not just an MMA gym. There's like cardio, kickboxing, and and classes all throughout the day. So he doesn't always have uh, all the time to put into us that that we need. Yeah. So uh, I've kind of stepped in as an assistant coaching role and. And uh, we do a lot of that on Fridays and Saturdays amongst ourselves. And uh, and uh, Sean Carroll, he's he's been training for a really long time. We kind of get together and make a game plan and work on what we need to before the fights. Awesome. The uh, I I think I know there's lots of guys back in the other day that well I'm just a fighter, so I'll work it out in the ring. But knowing who your opponent is, watching some tapes, definitely uh, we do a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, it's super important I think just to watch how they move and pick out their patterns and 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 uh, and drill the stuff that will work against that. Yeah, we're uh, huge MMA fans at my gym, so we're always watching tape and breaking stuff down and on Instagram and. Yeah. Sending each other videos and uh, new techniques and cool. Yeah, who uh, who? What's your jujitsu ju- under? Kent Brown. He does it all. Okay, so he's yeah. a black belt. Uh, he's actually. I don't know if he's belted in, in jujitsu. He's a taekwondo black belt. Yeah, but he's been training since, 
MMA's infancy. So yeah. even though he's not belted under a, a certain instructor, he's been doing it forever. I think David Lee is the same thing. I think he started with the Gracie tapes way back in the day. And then, you know, just lots of research and trying and practicing. And he kind of grew, grew his own belt system, I think, out of Tashido's. Yeah, Ken Brown does his own uh, belt system as well. I'm in or green belt right now. Yeah. What's his order? It's uh, white, yellow, green, blue. Orange, green, um, I don't know if it's blue or brown next, and then black. Oh, nice. So you're you're halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever been to a live UFC yet? Yeah, I've been to two, actually. I went to UFC 92 in uh, Las Vegas. Um, that was uh, probably the most stacked card to that point. Um, Who was the main event? Frank Mir and Noguera right after they coached the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah. That was um, a good fight. Forrest Griffin. Actually, I think Forrest Griffin versus Rashad Evans. That was for the title. That was the main event on top of the heavyweight title fight. Wow. And uh, there was also Rampage Jackson versus uh, versus uh, Vanderlei Silva. Oof. It was an amazing card. That is an amazing card. That's yeah. when, um, uh, not Rashad, uh, who am I thinking? Who did Vanderlei fight? Rampage. Char- yeah. Where Rampage knocked him out finally. Yeah, yeah, and he was out for a long time. <laughs> it was insane. That dude, I don't know if you've seen shoot box uh training out of Brazil. They do that yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. Every day they hammer on each other. There's yeah. no way that guy's dying of natural causes. It just it oh <laughs> my see God. it happening. I just heard a story the other day that uh Vanderlei and Shogun were both at shoot box and uh Shogun bought some new fancy dog and Vanderlei wanted it. And uh, so Shogun was going to sell it to him some for some absurd amount of money. And Vanderlei said, all right, let's fight for it. And if you win, I'll pay the absurd amount of money. <laughs> and uh, if not, uh, then I get the dog for free. And he, when he woke up, when Shogun woke up, Vanderlei was standing over him holding the dog. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That's insane. Like you <laughs> that know, so insane. There's fighters out there now going, yeah, we're not going to hard spar anymore. We're just going to drill and then fight. I already know how to fight. So. Yeah. And these guys are down there just knocking the daylights out yeah. of each other. Crazy. Yeah. And you see that doesn't it never works out. Like Thomas Almeida, I think, was even from Shooto Box. And he, he started out really good in the UFC, but I think he's dropped like two or three in a row, and a, a couple of them have been knockouts. Yeah. Once, once you chin. hit two losses, I mean, you got to know your job's on the line with the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Do you guys uh, do heavy sparring? How often? Um, I don't do a lot of heavy sparring. Um, I want to save that for, for the cage. Yeah. So we do, uh, I do lighter sparring. There's lots of guys that do heavy sparring, mm-hmm. but I try to do lighter sparring, and I do it pretty much every day. Okay. Whether we're, whether it's jujitsu on Monday and Tuesday or, or kickboxing on Thursday and Friday or uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Then uh, I'm always doing light sparring. Beautiful. I um, I taught a self-defense course here out of Airdrie based on MMA techniques. And it's so tough to get guys to spar lately, you know, do the 50%. And so I was really hesitant in letting anybody spar because it's just all, you know, you get tagged once and you're like, oh. Well, I oh, can, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah, they're, they, they just want to... Turn it up every time you turn around. It's just going harder and harder and harder. You got good guys with you. That's not happening. Yeah, definitely. We always keep guys in check. And uh, yeah. if it starts going like that, my coach, Kent Brown, is really good at uh, stepping in. Okay. He, he lets everybody know ahead of time, like, yeah. 
go as hard as as your partner's comfortable with because if you go harder than that then you got to face me and then yeah. we'll go as hard as you like <laughs> that's what i used to do in class too is like only hit as hard as the person wants to get hit it's yeah. not your decision yeah and so like even when uh we do a uh, a drill where one person would punch and the other person would just defend. It's just a, a different way of sparring where you're not worried about getting clipped while you're throwing a punch or, you know, you can be more focused on, you know, your movements, your drills and your defenses. And, um, uh, I said the person getting hit was always in charge of the power. So they would say, turn it down or turn it up until they were at a comfortable level because, uh, there's nothing worse than deterring people, people from coming back to the yeah. gym after they've been tagged or they go home with a headache or you know what I mean? Yeah. And we've had guys like that in the gym before. And I think that's why our gym's booming now is because we're all friends there. We're, we're all, we all train at a comfortable level. We're all respectful. We're all friends. So yeah. nobody's out to hurt each other. Awesome. Yeah. You, you, it's hard to find good training partners that are actually there, right? If they see you starting to move up the ladder and they're not, they're like, oh, I can knock that bugger out, and they're, they're coming after you. Yeah. And that happens in the best of the best gyms, and if you can guys can avoid that, save your brain for the fight, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. And a lot of these guys, they're just it's just a hobby, right? There's no need to, to take brain damage for... <laughs> just for fun. I mean, we're not getting paid. We're not even getting sponsors or anything. It's just, we're all there to just, just to have fun. So there's no need to take any damage. Yeah. Y'all got to go to work the next yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. We all got jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I was lucky when I did it, I had a sales job. So other than trying to keep my face, uh, you know, not too beat up, um, it wasn't bad, but I knew when I moved out to Alberta and I started training, the guys were going pretty hard out here compared to what I was used to, and probably mostly because I was a new guy and, you know, just trying to find your balance in a new gym. But uh, having sparring sessions with guys and then go hang drywall the next day was a miserable oh. <laughs> life. Yeah. You know, your shoulders are sore from getting arm barred. And like, dude, you had it. Why did you have to yank on it? And, you know, so it was tough to find. But it's also tough changing gyms, right? You get used to one form of training and uh, even if you want to move your level up we watched it with um, Rory McDonald out of Toshido's and he moved over to TriStar and there was a bit of an imbalance in his fighting back then when he switched gyms right yeah, yeah. Uh, oh right right because he won his or he lost his debut to Carlos Condit but he was right he was destroying that fight up until yeah when he got caught yeah yeah the, uh, and Rory's a savage. Um, and so for even him switching gyms, having a different coach, you know, yeah. just I'm sure different sparring partners, all yeah. that played a role. Because in Kelowna, he would have been top of the heap. And yeah. then TriStar, you know, there's GSP there and um, David Loazzo. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other bigger names that are coming out there right now. Even Frost's brother. Um, yeah. They, uh, I can't remember his I name. I can't remember his name either. Yeah. I uh, I got a chance to meet uh, Frost when he was in Calgary for um, the UFC. Oh, right on. So we had Robin Black on the, the podcast. Right. And kind of the deal was Robin's like, well, if you can get me around Calgary, um, I'll come do a podcast with you. So I'm like, yeah, I'll be your driver for the day. Yeah. So it, it, it was really cool. Robin was... Um, Super gracious, super nice, just a really cool guy. But he didn't have his day fully lined up. He didn't have the opportunity. So he flew into town. He knew he had one thing to do down at the Hyatt. So we drove him down to that. And I waited in the the um, kind of outside the UFC area there. And like Joanna and DC and like everybody was uh, um, uh, Stephen... Um, 
Thompson. Thompson was right. Like there was like twenty good top notch UFC fighters that were just like five feet away from me walking past and I'm just nodding and grinning like hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways he did that whole thing and then we were gonna come back and do the podcast and he's like, Oh, they've got two more things for me to do. Can we stay? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh TSN had called him up to do a bunch of stuff because he was in Calgary, which was really, really good for him. Okay. Um so we ended up having a really short podcast. We left downtown Calgary, raced back to Airdrie, did a short podcast. I fed him a bit of food and then we had to rush back out to do a bunch more stuff for TSN. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really, I didn't go to the fights. Uh, I, I've kind of made a promise to myself. I'm not going to do a UFC until I can be like ringside Vegas. That's kind of my goal or maybe not ringside, but close to, to ringside. I don't want to go into a stadium and just watch it on a TV. Yeah. Vegas is the best place to watch a fight. I've, I've, gone there twice was the first one was UFC 92 and the second one was uh uh UFC 195 Robbie Lawler versus uh versus Carlos Condit oh that was one of the yeah one of the greatest (laughs) fights ever yeah I've been super lucky with the fights I've been to but uh yeah both times I was there at UFC UFC 92 and I was just a kid I was like 14 years old wow and uh so my stepdad uh got us two tickets up in the nosebleeds because it was like it was my birthday the day after, so it was kind of a birthday present. And they totally surprised me. I had no idea until Very we were cool. at the arena, and they're like, yeah, go uh, go find your seat. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we're in the nosebleeds, and I was like, well, this is no good. I'm going to see if I can find any better seats. And I snuck down right to the fro- front row, and and I just kept switching seats as people moved in. <laughs> Vegas never sells out. It, I mean, even when they sell out, a lot of those tickets are comped yeah so uh people just don't show up they're just giving tickets while they're spending money at the casino wow. so i just kept moving seats moved like three or four times and these uh these guys thought it was a hoot and these big spenders and so they were laughing and they bought me popcorn and stuff and <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna buy me a beer so you're 14 in vegas just living oh, the high life living the life yeah and so uh so then i went back with my dad for my uh, 21st birthday. Yeah. And uh, we went to UFC 95 and I was like, follow me. <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. That's good to know. So yeah. I go down there, just go buy a cheap seat. Yeah, exactly. You sneak right your down. Way down. Yeah, you just got to get there for the first fight. There's nobody there for the first fight. You're watching the highest level of MMA and right. there's 100 people in a stadium. I see that on TV all the time and it's it drives incredible. me nuts. Like, if I was to buy tickets to UFC, I would go to the weigh-ins, yeah, I'd be walking exactly. around the hotel, Same. I would just, you know, shaking hands, getting autographs, yeah. I'd be doing all of that. And that's what you do too. Like, all the fighters walk in the front door. Yeah. So you just stand there for an hour or two before the fight and you're, I'm getting pictures with uh, Big John McCarthy and <laughs> and uh, Faraz Hobby and, yeah. and uh, Greg Jackson and Clay Guida and Dan Hooker and Neil Magny. I can go on and on and yeah. on with all the, the guys. And then if you sneak down to the good seats, all those uh, a bunch of those tickets are fighter comps. Wow. So then I'm getting pictures with uh, Gray Maynard and and there's just I got to meet him here guys. in Calgary. I oh, went really? to a Hard Knocks, and he was like the celebrity fighter that was there. And so we got really early, and we're just standing in front, and in walks Gray Maynard, and I'm like, Gray! <laughs> I was blown away, and he's like, hey! Like, like he was supposed to know me, and he wasn't sure. And I'm like, oh, just a big fan, man, and shook his hand. And then he knew, none of us knew what to do after that. So he's like, oh, I got to go to work. I'm like, okay, see ya. He's awesome. He was uh, w- one of the first fighters I met at the USC 92, and 
I was like, can I get a picture? He's like, oh, yeah, for sure. And he was, like, just super nice, put his arm around me and stuff. I was like, okay, this guy's my hero. Yeah, he so, was a super cool guy. Yeah, so I went on his website when I got home, and there was, a, like, a giveaway for a signed poster. Yeah. And uh, I gave him my email for that and signed up for it and whatever, and I ended up winning. And nice. sure enough, sent me a, a signed poster. So, yeah, I've always been a huge Grave Manor fan. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. They're, they, honestly, I think probably most of the guys in the UFC are, are pretty decent uh, yeah, people. Really, it's amazing how uh, how genuine and, and nice the, the UFC fighters are. I mean, they're walking through a hotel with just fans everywhere, and they're just stopping to take pictures, and they're, yeah. they're cool about it, the smile, and yeah. they ask you about yourself, and you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> Who cares <laughs> do about you me? Care? You're, yeah. <laughs> you're in the UFC, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The um, I don't know if you heard about the uh, Holloway-Ortega fight, what happened after the fight. There was, uh, I, I can't remember if I saw, saw it on SureDog, but uh, Max had gone over, gave Ortega a big fight, and said, dude, this was so awesome. Thank you very much. We should be friends. Yeah. And Ortega's <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we Thank should God. probably be friends. <laughs> they got to fight again, though. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I don't know how much better Ortega can do, though. He, I think that was pretty dominant by Max. I mean, he, he rocked Max a couple times, but yeah. Max is just so dominant right now. I think he's definitely, like, all-time one of the best pound-for-pound. He he reminds me a lot of like an Anderson Silva type yeah. uh, fighter where he just he's good everywhere and he just stumps people like Ortega's a savage like he's a beast yeah he stopped everybody yeah and and Max was it was nothing for him like not yeah. to to pick on Ortega but um, Max made it look really really easy yeah Max Holloway I think he's another guy like Anderson Silva where. He's not going to get the respect he deserves until afterward. We're yeah. going to look back at the at the run Max Holloway's on. We're going to go, wow. That was amazing. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Anderson Silva fighting um, Stylebender? Oh, I love that fight. Yeah. I, I think that's a bad fight for Silva, but I, I yeah. think it's a great matchup to make. I think it's a perfect fight to make. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, it's it's almost rude of the UFC to do that to <laughs> yeah. Anderson Silva. I'm like, you're throwing him to yeah. the wolves. Like, yeah. Stylebender will fuck him up. Yeah, it's uh, the perfect fight to build Stylebender, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Beating a legend, yeah. moving up the ladder. It's really, really good for him. But I think Anderson, I think twice now he's been busted for steroids. So yeah. because of his age, um, you know, obviously coming from Brazil back in the day, they were allowed to do it. They were probably not even told they were doing it. And then when you come off the steroids, your endocrine's just some crashes. And so he's just trying to stay in the fight. Yeah. Um, so if he's not doing steroids for this fight, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Like, a guy that age, there should be some kind of concession for them or like, okay, you can do a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's just, there would be nothing left in his body. Remember, TRT Vitor, right? Yeah, TRT when, Tour. <laughs> yeah, when he came off, he was like, he looked like a withered old man. Yeah, he looked terrible. Right? Um, Johnny Hendricks, I think he's another one that uh, when the USADA came in, yeah. that dude crashed yeah. and he couldn't win a fight to save his soul no. after that. He can't even win a bar- bare knuckle fight. Oh, that was brutal, right? <laughs> so, not to be mean, but nobody, Joe Blow, just knocked the piss out of Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting in another 10 years when we're seeing all these guys that, like, were a part of the USADA generation. It's going to be interesting to see how their decline is compared to the guys that were able to take advantage of the system, let's say. Right, yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the drop-off is. 
Yeah, the long-term effect of what happens to those guys that were, you know, tier, or uh, Vitor was the prime example. Like, yeah. that's kind of worst-case scenario. They'll just wither away to nothing, deep depression. It'll be horrible for them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the fighter. Um, they did a, a documentary on him. When he had come off, he went into a deep depression. He was in the middle of a, an intersection in the States with a gun in his mouth, uh, like, Bad, bad, bad. Wow. Had had a bunch of domestic disputes and just like you, if your hormones aren't firing properly, nothing is going to be right inside you, yeah. right? And uh, not to mention the brain trauma and um, everything else that goes on with fighting, right? So yeah, I'd be curious to see. I'd like to see. Well, there's part of me that wants to see um, more of like the pride days, where like do whatever the hell you want to do. Let's see what the yeah. best fight is. And then a big part of me wants to see what clean fighters do uh, for their entire career. Yeah. I think it's good that we have like Ryzen and Bellator and UFC. And I think Ryzen should be like the pride freak show. I know you guys like to talk about that a lot. The, yeah. The, the Gabby Garcia freak <laughs> shows and stuff. And uh, I, I'm all for it. I mean, if, if that's what those guys want to do. And I mean, I'm sure doing... Uh, copious amounts of steroids and trt and whatever is yeah. not good for you but i i can't imagine not taking that stuff and and still fighting could be any <laughs> yeah. could be much worse for you yeah so uh if everyone's on the same playing field i think it you know kind of exactly. it's your choice it is what it is but let's let's just say okay all the steroid guys come over here yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. It'll be like that Marty Ford and Brock Lesnar, and like there'll be nobody under two hundred and twenty <laughs> yeah, pounds yeah. fighting, right? Yeah. They'll all be monsters, and maybe they do the a whole like you know super heavyweight league or whatever. But um, did you hear about that Marty Ford? Do you know who he is? No, I've never heard of that. I gotta look this guy up for you. He is like this massive, massive bodybuilder dude, like bigger than the guy from Game of Thrones. He is a monster and they're talking about him training in MMA now um it, it, it's crazy how big this guy oh yeah here he is i got to bring this picture up for you that's just a quick one i'll show you a comparison oh <laughs> the dude is just a <laughs> savage and then i'll see if i can get a picture of him beside somebody else so you can see he's doing a bunch of movies oh this is him be, beside um Dolph Lundgren He's like three inches taller and like, <laughs> wow, dude's just a savage. But supposedly he's training in uh, MMA now, but I don't think he'll get down to the 265 weight class. Oh, no way. It'll have to be risen or, or uh, something like that for him to fight in. Yeah. Well, there was that other uh, world's strongest man that was fighting for a while. He fought like Tim Sylvia and and uh, a, a few other guys over in, like, Russia and stuff. Okay. I can't remember what his name is. It's not that mag. Pujanowski. Oh, Pujanowski. Yeah. 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 So maybe they could put that fight together in Ryzen. Yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it or not. But. Get Bob Sapp out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bob Sapp, he just won a fight. His first fight in, like, 16 fights, he just beat a guy. Really? Yeah. They must have dragged that guy off the streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bob Sapp is, I'm a big fan just because it's fun to watch, but he's not a fighter. No, he's just a big dude that throws clubs at people. Just looking for a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, supposedly he's quite wealthy. Like he's done oh, really yeah. well in what he's yeah. done. So smart with his money. But uh, he's fun to watch. I love watching Gabby as much of a. I'd like to see what she would do in a grapple. Like I haven't seen any of the, the videos of her grappling, but I bet you she'd be a savage. She's a black belt. Definitely. I think. 
No, I don't know. I might be making that up. Um, yeah, I haven't seen her doing, done. I haven't seen her do any uh, grappling yet. I just wish there was somebody her size so that we could really see what her skill level is. Yeah, her striking has a lot, a long way to come. But yeah, she's friends definitely. with Chris Cyborg, so there's no way it's not going to get there. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a, like a, a kickboxer, a Muay Thai fighter that size that that we could see her compete against. Man, she's such a big girl. I think she walks around at like two forty five or something. And she lost a ton of weight, didn't she? Didn't she? Yeah, I think like she was like two ninety five when there, there, you see the picture with her beside Vandalay, and yeah. she was kind of pudgy, Gabby. Yeah. Um, she was like two ninety five there. Yeah, she uh, slimmed right down, and she's just jacked. Oh, Savage. I uh, someone told us I won't say who because I don't want to get him in trouble, but told us that uh, they thought she was autistic. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, they're her coaches know and they're like having a handicapped person fight. Like that's oh was their God. view on it. And I went, oh, it sort of makes sense when you hear her and you kind of see Love her, her and you're like, I bet she is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if she even knows that you know she. You know, if they're if she's being taken advantage of, I guess that's what we don't know. But uh, it seems crazy. Uh, I mean, he's not being taken advantage of. But have you seen Diego Sanchez and his uh, fight against the um, Down syndrome boy? Yeah, he's <laughs> always training with them. Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Diego Sanchez is is such a gem. Yeah. One of the greatest guys to ever come into the sport. And he's one of those guys that tried so hard to create a persona and it just wasn't him. Like Diego, the nightmare, you're not a nightmare. Like you're a nightmare as a fighter, but like you're the sweetest dude ever. And you just, yeah. I sort of feel, um, that's the way Hakeem is too. They, uh, they call him mean Hakeem and he puts on this persona of like this really, really angry guy. And I'm like, I don't think you're that angry. Yeah, not, buying it. <laughs> not buying it. I don't know what his new nickname should be, but I don't think he's, he's, He's mean in the ring. He's a savage, but yeah, he. It, you got to find that persona that actually fits who you are. Yeah, Diego's such a weird case because like he came into the UFC, he won the U the the Ultimate Fighter. He was on like a, he was like sixteen and zero or eighteen and zero, and he just he never made it to to the top level. I mean, he fought BJ Penn for the title, but yeah. he just he never made it over the hump and he was so highly touted and he was destroying guys. Yeah. And then he just he hit a wall and he just never I wonder if that was during you saw time too. That was before no, you saw it. was way before you saw it. That's why yeah. I don't understand like what That might have been the limitation. Maybe he stayed clean and no one else was. Oh yeah, so that could have been. It. It's difficult to overcome, right? When yeah, you're Yeah, it's really quite possible. Uh GSP talked about that and uh there's quite a few other fighters that uh had stayed clean for a long time and you know, they they struggled. But in every organization, you need to have those workhorse guys, right? That are just going to show up and put on a good fight and they'll yeah. they'll never be champion, but they're always fun to watch. And there's, you know, Robbie Lawler is probably one of those guys. Um, Donald Cerrone. Cerrone. Ugh, who doesn't want? It wouldn't yeah. matter who he is fighting. It's no. going to be an exciting fight. Yeah, Put he, him against Gabby. <laughs> he's fighting another guy. I have no idea who he is. And I'll, I'm still going to tune into it. Yeah, yeah. Hernandez or something? Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Some Mexican guy. Yeah. But uh, I think I heard that he's got his own fight organization. There's a girl that's following on Instagram. Um, I think he's, he's actually... Um, Putting on fights, not not fighting, not just fighting, but putting on fights. Uh, what's her name? Sydney. She's out of um, Sundance. That's what it is. She's fighting out of Virginia, and I think she's got a fight this weekend under the Cowboy Cerrone banner. Let's just see if I can find it. 
That guy's so incredibly busy. I don't know how he does it all. And a new baby. Yeah, he's got a baby. Yeah. He's got a wife. He's got a ranch. <laughs> he's just got everything on the go. Yeah. He's always skydiving or doing something crazy and training full time. Scuba diving. Scuba and diving. In, oh, my uh, God. In caves under the ocean. It's yeah. craziness. Yeah, so here it is. Donald Cerrone or Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight series number one, January 26, 2019, Little Ernest Community Theater, Little River, Turnpike, Andale, Virginia. That's uh, so yeah. He he's got his own fight organization now. Where is that again? Out of Virginia, I think. Virginia, VA. That's, that's Virginia, right? Uh yeah, uh yeah. Yeah, stupid Canadians don't know nothing about the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> we know a lot more about them than they do about <laughs> us. Yeah. So this uh, this girl Sundance MMA, she um, um, she's fighting for uh, Cowboy. I think for the belt, maybe she has. She was a champion in another organization. Can't remember what it was. What did you think about the uh, about Cerrone's last fight? The whole Greg Jackson, uh, Winkle John beef cowboy. <laughs> That's crazy, eh? Like we only hear one side of the story, the Cowboy Cerrone right. side, and yeah. and it'd be hard to believe that he's making stuff up. But what his perception of what's going on there is pretty messed up, right? And and what we talked earlier, the egos that are involved with fighters, like, yeah. hey, what do you mean you're talking to somebody else? You're my coach, and yeah. like, and have been for ten years, right? And and you know, as a gym, you got to look at it from a business standpoint too. And how much life does Cowboy got in, and how much does this <laughs> yeah. guy got coming up? And you know, how do we we work around this when we've got nine guys in the same weight division, and three of them are like contention uh, or title contention? So you know. Maybe Cerrone got the wrong end of the deal, and I'm guessing he probably did, and it probably wasn't really bright of Greg Jackson to to do that. But in the same token, th- there was there was a choice that he that you know the Greg ja- or the Greg Winklejohn uh, um, camp had to make, and they made their choice. You know, Cowboy did phenomenal. Where did he go? ATT? I can't remember where he went. I think he just did his own thing at the BMF branch. Oh, did he? He might have. I, I could be wrong. Okay. I, yeah, I don't. I, I seem to think that he brought in a coach, but I can't remember. But, uh, you know, he looked good. Like, he looked, he looked phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he was just extra angry, and <laughs> that's what got him through the fight. And we'll, we'll see what comes up here in the future. But, um, yeah, he's a busy dude. And if he's running a fight organization now, See how that goes. That might uh, move up the ranks pretty quickly. Yeah, the funniest part about that fight was all this talk about how Donald Cerrone never performs when he's uh, got a beef with somebody. When there's animosity, <laughs> he never turns up to the fight and when the pressure's on. And He, he did? Yeah, did he ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I'm trying to remember who he fought. Um, it was one of those UFC workhorses. Um, the Immortal, Matt Brown. Oh yeah, that was a that was like Man. out of the matrix kind of fight for even for Cerrone. That was such a great fight because he was like, it was pretty even, and uh, Cerrone was trying to be his friend, like leading up to the fight and even at yeah. the fight, and they wouldn't shake hands or nothing. And then the third round, Matt Brown finally gives in, and they hug at the <laughs> beginning of the round, <laughs> and then two minutes later, just kicks him in the head and knocks oh, him straight out. That was a beautiful knockout. Oh, was it ever. He's another one of those guys that is just, you know, he's been around forever. He's never made it to the top notches in the UFC, but always exciting to watch, right? Yeah, the definitely. Immortal Brown. How do you, 
how do you not show up for that fight? It's always going to be a good fight. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah. way, win or lose, he's gonna he's gonna put on a show. That's a hard way to make a living, though, right? Like, I don't want to say they're punching bags because that's really rude. I would like they're not put in there to win, though. They're put in there for the excitement of the fight. Yeah, they're just performers. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a hard way to make a go of it. Definitely. And the UFC is paying, like, uh, I don't know how they split the, the pay-per-views and the, the TVs and that, but there's some guys still only making $5,000 a fight. Well, it's it's 10 and 10. You If you win, right. when you show up, you get 10000 and then when you win, you get another 10000 But, like, people think UFC fighters make all this money. I mean, if you lose three fights in a year, at the base contract, you're making making thirty thousand dollars a year. Like that's nothing. No. And then you got to like think they got to pay for training fees and coaches, managers, and coaches, diets, and yeah, all this all this stuff. Like these guys are not making a lot of money. Say you're at the entry level of the UFC and you win three fights in a year. Yeah. That's still only sixty grand. That's below the Canadian standard for living. Exactly. Yeah, for a family, not for an individual, for a family. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, what's your plan? Just keep plugging away, working, and and see where it goes. I can I can train and work full time now. Uh, I just started with a new company in uh, in April, so um, it's it's really helped with like the the weight cuts and stuff, and yeah. and staying in shape year year round. And uh, coming back in November, I'd come back healthy because I hadn't trained in in months. But uh, but there it always when when you take time off of MMA especially jiu-jitsu i find you lose your timing and you yeah. you really take a several steps back yeah so uh being able to train year round has really helped uh just keep that progression going and not not losing any steps yeah. always moving forward yeah that's cool the um a- any uh future ambitions of of moving up to a a higher i don't want to to a different MMA gym, you know, like uh, Tashido's in Kelowna or TriStar. Uh, I know there's a couple of good ones in um, Grand Prairie as well. There's a lot of MMA fighters coming out of there. Uh, yeah, eventually. I, I'm really happy with my with my gym right now. Um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, we, we might be moving the gym here coming up. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's up in the air. So uh, time will tell, really, but... Um, yeah, eventually I'd like to uh, to do a little bit of cross training. I don't think I'd ever leave my gym. Yeah, but I, I definitely like to to see new looks, and I'd like to come train with you at uh, at Champions Gym uh, if you ever go check that out. Yeah, I'm I, not a member there right now. I'm right. just doing it so I can get a little closer to Brian Bird and Akeem <laughs> for the for the podcast. But um, uh, I've trained with lots of guys here in Calgary, and then there's all these you know great gyms out there. Um, I was at uh, Max Barron's gym before he passed. Um, Knuckles, they they had a lot of great guys inside there. Um, uh, Brian Birds, one of his uh, coaches had opened up a club in Airdrie, and we went and trained with them for a little bit, just doing jujitsu. Uh, he was a brown belt. He was a savage. It's, they brought in this guy. He was. Man, I want to say he was like 67 or 68 years old, black belt, little Indonesian guy. I outweighed him by easily 50 pounds, and I was rolling with him, and I could do nothing. It was like every time I pushed, I was hitting air. Every time I pulled, there was just like it's insane when you roll with those super, super high-level black belts, right? And they, you know, here's this guy, 65 years old, 50 pounds lighter than me. I'm, I'm not like fighter fit but i'm pretty fit for an old guy yeah. and uh there was nothing 
nothing I could do to that guy. Yeah, so it's it's great to be in there to help bring your ego back down and just see definitely. how it feels, right? Yeah, it's really eye opening. Yeah, and it gives you like the motivation of where where you could go whenever you think you're you're, you're kind of getting stale. You you train with somebody like that, and you're like, wow, I got a lot to learn. Well, yeah, there's ten more levels yeah. that I can go to. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you heard this or not. There's a bunch of guys, black belts, uh, all throughout the U.S. in jiu-jitsu who have demoted themselves because um, uh, BJJ has uh, grown so much that they oh. didn't feel like black belts anymore. They're like, no, this... like. Black belt's a different thing now than it was 10 years Definitely. ago. The What the black belts know today in 2018 um, is twice as much as what they knew in 2008. Oh, Easily, yeah. right? You look at, um, I say, I talk about this with my buddies all the time because there was like, well, Hoist Gracie is the man. I'm like, well, he was the man then. But yeah. if you looked at what Gracie did in the first five UFCs, most blue belts nowadays would have walked all over him, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, that's the evolution of it. That yeah. you know, they're they're fitter. They we know more about diet. We know more about training. And then the the sport itself of jujitsu has evolved so much that they're doing moves and combinations that just were never there ten years ago or twenty years ago. Yeah, it's so easy to get blown away just going on the internet and watching techniques that you can even watch for free. Yeah. I mean, Donahair Death Squad. You watch yeah. those guys? Oh, yeah. Man, what a bunch of savages. Those guys are so crazy. I, I think uh, Gordon Ryan just competed at the, uh, oh, what was it? I can't remember what uh, what federation or whatever, but he just won the open weight and uh, heavyweight. And that guy used to used to compete at 170. <laughs> like, that guy's insane. Yeah. I remember my very first jiu-jitsu tournament, we did the Fireball in Vancouver. And um, most of the guys in our club, out of uh, David Lee's club, were about the same size. So we were, you know, one weight class away from each other. So you'd wrestle with a couple of bigger guys, but really you were you were wrestling with guys your size. Um, when we got there, there uh, we all signed up for as many things as we could. And all of us signed up for the open weight class. And you end up grappling with guys that are like... You know what, weigh you by 70, 80 pounds, and that's hard work. Yeah, it's almost in- insurmountable. Yeah. I did a, a jiu-jitsu tournament in Lethbridge one time, and I got put in with uh, a bunch of, I think it was like 175 was the weight limit, and I was like a buck 40. Yeah. <laughs> and I just got just destroyed. Yeah. 30 I, pounds is huge. Like it's it huge. Yeah. They don't uh, they don't look that much different, but it's it's massive. Yeah, and unless you're like super high level, I mean, it makes all the difference. Thirty pounds. I mean, you just look at guys. There's reasons. There's weight classes in the UFC. Yeah. The um, do you remember? I think his name is Paulo Salo. They call him the Giant Killer. He was like a hundred and I want to say like a one fifty five or one hundred and fifty pound jujitsu guy, oh, really? and he would go into the heavyweight or the open weight class and just destroy these big guys. Wow. And so he just his I think I actually got his book. I'll take a look. Um, and uh, yeah, you might want to read it. It's a good book. Um, but yeah, he just had this technique where it didn't matter what size you were, his jujitsu worked on everybody. So fun guy to watch. Yeah, Gordon Ryan actually uh, at EBI they did a, an open weight open weight tournament and yeah. he came in at like a buck eighty and he he ended up winning the whole thing. 
He he's really really good. I like what uh, Eddie Bravo is doing now in jujitsu. They got the combat jujitsu. Yeah, Have you seen any of that? Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that stuff is insane. <laughs> they had a one knockout, I think, uh, a couple of months ago. Open hand yeah, knockout. Palm strike KO. <laughs> That's Would so you ever do anything like that? I think eventually I'm not high level enough to do that. Not even close, but. Uh, yeah, I think eventually, I think that's the natural progression. Like, if uh, if MMA doesn't work out, I think I'd like to do combat jiu-jitsu. I love jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I do too. It's, um, I haven't done it in a long time. I'm super excited to go roll with uh, Brian Bird and his crew and um, see if I can work it into my schedule somewhere where I can get more time to roll. At the very least, I can go down to my basement with my buddies and roll with them just to get it in. It's fun. Do you have a mat set up? I do, yeah. Um, I had, um, uh, out of our church here in town, I used to run, uh, it's called Submit Self-Defense, where I would teach self-defense with the MMA basis. And so we bought a bunch of those big um, inch and a half thick Lego mats and uh, put them together. Um, And so we did that for like three years. I was training three days a week. Um, We got into some sparring. No tournaments, no, um, no actual fights. It was... We had a few people that wanted to fight and uh, you have to, it's completely different training for a fight than it is just, you know, martial arts training. Definitely. Excuse me. The, um, the intensity that you have to turn things up to be prepared for a real battle are not the same as, you know, some guy beaks off a tear, tries to take your wallet on the street. Most of those guys don't really know how to fight. You don't have to have really high-end skills to knock out some local thief. Yeah, definitely. But you go into the ring with... I watch amateur fighting um, through hard knocks, and uh, those guys, they're scary guys, even at the amateur level, right? It's just... It's it's a different level of training, commitment, the... um, uh, the fact that they're doing this for not money tells you how dedicated they are to inflicting pain on people. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. I mean, these guys aren't professionals yet, but they're looking to become professionals. Right. And they're still training every day. They're yeah. so comfortable in that zone, in that uh, in that uh, form of combat, in that mindset that, uh, yeah, amateurs are really scary. Yeah. There can be. There's a lot of guys that, that don't take it seriously and train once a week and <laughs> whatever. But yeah. uh, for the most part, amateurs are... Not guys to mess with. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a backup plan? Like, do you is MMA their only future for you? No, no, not at all. Uh, like, it's it's just a side passion right now. Okay. Um, I I have a pretty decent job and I could do that for the rest of my life. But uh, if, if I could, if I could go pro in a couple years or next year or whatever, um, and make a little bit of money off it, that that'd be great. But. Uh, and I mean, there's always UFC aspirations. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. But if nothing comes of it, it's uh, I do it because I love it. I, this isn't yeah. do or die. Yeah, and it's not something you have to do to make a living. You're yeah. you're smart enough. You can do other things and yeah, and be accomplished at them. Yeah, I certainly don't have all my eggs in one basket. I um, I remember watching this clip. Uh, this guy got knocked down. I'm trying to remember. I want to say that it was um, uh, Chris Cyborg's husband. Um, when he got to Santos, yeah, when he got knocked out and uh, they were backstage, and uh, oh no, it wasn't Chris Cyborg, it was somebody else. And he was basically his wife was so upset, he's busted up, he's bleeding, he's crying, like he had lost a bad fight. And she's like, Why are you doing this? And he's like, I don't know what else to do. Oh. That is it's heartbreaking to watch those guys that they're doing something just because they don't 
I don't know, have the courage. They don't have the strength or the passion. They're just stick in that, stuck in that hole and continue to fight and just abuse themselves. And there's a lot of guys that are kind of stuck like that. They get to a point where they've taken so much damage for so long that they can't just go find a construction job or yeah. or or do business or anything else because their brains just deteriorated yeah. and their their bodies beaten up and and, and kind of useless. Do you do anything brain health wise, supplement wise? I take yeah, I definitely take supplements. Yeah. Um, I just started taking uh, Brainstorm and uh, Brainstorm. Yeah, I okay. I couldn't. I think you can only find Alpha Brain online off the audit website. Yeah, and it's uh, on Amazon as well, though you can you can order it in. Yeah, it's really expensive though. I find so I found a Brainstorm at GNC, and it's it's a nootropic. Yeah. I'm always looking for nootropics, and I, I found this one. I found it re- works really well. There's one called um, I think it was called Three Brain. It's like uh, gut health, uh, brain health, and a heart health all in one. Oh, nice. Um, and I found that one pretty good, really comparable to uh, Alpha Brain. I've tried a whole bunch of other nootropics, and I just haven't been. Um, they weren't the same. Alpha Brain has done something better than everybody else yeah. for sure. I've definitely got to try it. I almost bought some on, uh, on Black Friday, but I ended up just wasting time and buying other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just kept shopping. <laughs> the uh, You won't be disappointed in it. Again, it is more money for sure, but it works differently than the other ones do. The one that I found really good too was the um, lion's mane mushroom with uh, vitamin B. Hmm. Uh, if you take a, a high dosage of niacin with the lion's mane mushroom, they're actually showing studies where they're rev- reversing the effects of traumatic brain injury wow. Alzheimer's, um, other brain diseases with a high um, high dosages of this lion's mane mushroom with the niacin. So that might be something you can try too. And they're pretty expensive to have the mushroom supplements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's too bad that the supplements are so expensive. Hopefully when there's more information out on them and they become more more popular, hopefully the price will go down a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm just uh, experimenting right now. I've just gotten into them the last year. Cool, cool. But I'm a huge like Joe Rogan fan, so I've always been in, or not always, but I've been interested in nootropics and stuff for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Just finally starting to get into them. You got to keep your brain health up. You're Definitely. a young guy, and you know if if uh, being a pro doesn't work out exactly the way you want, you still have to be able to function and not be stuck being a fighter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm really uh, careful with my body as well. I get regular massages. Yeah. I uh, I really take care of myself. I take rest days when I need them. And Beautiful. And yeah. Do, do you mess around with like your, your HRV, measuring your heart rate and stuff like that, knowing what days you should train on? No. Um, I don't think I'm quite at that level yet. And uh, and with work and, and training, like I kind of got to train whenever I can train. Yeah. So I can't really just take a day off whenever my heart rate's a little high. Yeah. And, and most guys aren't taking a day off. I've just started messing with it. So there's a cheap watch that I got here. 60 bucks measures your um, heart rate variability, your regular heart rate, your O2. Um, but I find that when my heart rate variability drops off, I got no energy to train. I'm just high risk of injury. So when it's good, then that's when I push myself harder. So I go train all my regular training days, um, but I just I'll dial it down significantly when when I know I'm uh, you know I'm in a healing mode or in a repair mode. Yeah, if I, if I'm feeling overworked, I'll just I'll do jujitsu and I just won't roll at the end of cra- at the end of class. Just drill and yeah, that's I'll just it. drill afterward. 
and uh, and and if I'm not feeling up to class or I've, I've got an injury, I'm kind of healing, I'll do something else. Like I do a lot of yoga yeah. and, uh, or I'll go run or hit the bike or, or whatever. Yoga is awesome. I just so started doing it like I'd say in the last six or eight months. I, I haven't gone in a couple of weeks just timing with the kids and stuff. But uh, if I can get out twice a week to yoga, that's, that's, it makes me feel amazing. Yeah, I don't do it enough. But I think MMA and yoga have been like the biggest uh biggest changes in my life yeah yoga is like it's so underrated and it's lost a lot of the uh stigma but i I feel like there's still a little bit of the stigma left (laughs) but like it's a pansy thing to do yeah and it's so not so not it's actually one of the hardest workouts i do yeah Uh, probably because i don't do it enough what type of yoga do you do um all of it i do the hatha or the lunch crunch or the the yin yang the power yoga, have you power tried that? Yoga, yeah. That oh, one's insane. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> we have a lady here in Airdrie that teaches power yoga, and she makes you hold these poses, and I'm watching these 50, 60-year-old women, just no problem. Yeah. And then I'm there just, you know, my whole body is shaking trying to hold the pose. So, um, And I walk out of there, I'm bagged. Yeah, like, definitely. I'm toast. Yeah, yoga's like, it's, I find so much motivation in yoga because, yeah, you do have like the 60-year-old women next to you, and they're kicking your ass and you're sweating. You're like, okay, well, I got to do better than her. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and they also say things like, don't push your body and yeah. and just do what you're comfortable with. And that's like the perfect motivation for me. I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm stronger than that. I ain't no bitch. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, the male ego again. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you tried the hot yoga? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love saunas and anything hot. So hot yoga was right up my alley. We, uh, we bought an infrared... Um, uh, sauna about a year ago off of a local boxer here oh, and nice. um, I really enjoy it. I try to get in once a week for an hour at about 40 minutes you're like um, bagged and then you try to do that last 20 minutes and just muscle through it it's 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 as much mental as like the hot yoga is even though you're just sitting in a box for how long I do one hour Straight. One hour straight is oh what my God. goal is inside there. <laughs> so crap. Uh, some of the studies were showing, I think if you do 20 minutes two or three times a week, you can decrease your risk of uh, fatal diseases by like a stupid amount, 70, 80%. Yeah, I've heard that. But so, I've never heard of anyone doing it for an hour. That's crazy. Is uh, that still healthy? I think so. I, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I got punched in the head too many times. Um Oh, man, now you make me question myself. Maybe I shouldn't be going in there for an hour. Yeah, I don't know. And then you I, said you do an extra 20 minutes sometimes? No, that's what the the, the studies show. 20 minutes, oh, okay. um, three times a week, you can decrease. And But I, I very rarely get like a separate 20 minutes. Because by the time you go down there, you get it warm, you go shower and everything, you've lost an hour anyways. Yeah. And so just trying to squeeze it in, I'm like, I'll pick one night where I know that, you know, an hour before I'm ready to go to bed, I'll go get in a sauna for one hour. I'll run up and I'll have an ice cold shower and then I'll get into bed. And uh, you sleep like a baby. Like it knocks the daylights yeah. out of it, even after getting out of a cold shower. So the, the one thing that we're trying now is my wife wants me, uh, she's a holistic nutritionist. Everyone in the show's heard right. that. And she's uh, well-versed with supplements and stuff like that. But there's this thing called um, ice sculpting. Have you heard of this? I mean, like, like for your body. So they'll, they'll take like, uh, cold pads or some cold, I'm not even sure what it is. Any like super, super cold. Maybe they'll use like the, um, uh, shoot, what are those rooms called? You just go hop in and they're like minus 300. Oh, cryo chambers. Cryo chambers. Um, 
But if you can get your fat really, really cold, it changes from a white fat, which is hard to burn, to a brown fat, which is way easier to burn. It's the only place I carry fat, and it's genetic, is just around the gut. So what we're doing now is I'm going to do sauna, but maybe I'll only do 40 minutes, and then I'll do 20-minute ice pack just on my gut. And then that'll turn the white fat to brown fat, and then my next workout I'll be able to carve it off much easier. Like the the brown fat burns faster than the white fat does. That's amazing. I've always wondered if you if like there's a lot of people. Everyone has like trouble burning fat in some areas of their body. Yeah, that's amazing that they ice found packs. a way around that. Yeah. So if you ice pack uh, all your fat spots, uh, it'll burn off faster supposedly so it's got to be new technology i've never even heard about that i think it's it's fairly new that well they knew the like there's three different kinds of fats i only know the names of the two the the white and the brown um and the brown burns faster than the white does um but yeah you can actually turn your brown sorry your white fat into brown so see what happens if i can get my goal was to get down to 180 so i was about 210 um uh middle of summer and just fat lazy too much beer all that stuff (laughs) and so i made i went on a really really strict diet and i um um started getting back to the gym and stuff like that again um but now i got down to 185 and i haven't been able to get below that so we're gonna try the ice sculpt thing the ice pads at night on my uh, on my stomach and the sauna and uh, i've actually increased my uh, calories now from 1800 to 2300 so we'll see how that goes wow yeah i gotta do some research into that yeah if it uh, helps you to drop weight for fights and stuff <laughs> like that as well <laughs> that um, uh, you probably don't have to drop much fat for a fight anyways, right? You're mostly dehydrating? Uh, Yeah, sort of. uh, A little closer. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I walk around at about uh, 163, and then I'll try and diet down to 155, Yeah. and then just lose the last 10 pounds. Well, 5 to 10 pounds of water. Okay, well, that's not bad. Yeah, this time I actually dieted down to... uh, 150 the day before and then with water loading obviously with the distilled water yeah and then i just lost the last five pounds within like 45 minutes in a in a epsom salt bath okay and uh yeah i was on weight at 11 o'clock so maybe explain that to people so what you do is you try to get down to your lowest fat content right get down to that six seven percent i'm guessing yeah i actually don't measure it i just uh I just know I just know my body. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I try and diet down. I definitely lose a little bit of muscle as well. Yeah. But I try and and uh keep as much mu- muscle as I can because your muscle um it uh holds water really well. Yeah. Fat does not. So you try and lose as much fat as you can. And uh so then I drink a bunch of distilled water in the week leading up to the fight yeah. because distilled water doesn't uh contain any minerals and minerals uh, hold on to water particles. Yeah. So you flush your body with uh, distilled water, and uh, so I'm drinking like ten liters a day, <laughs> and then uh, you cut that down. And I did it within. You're supposed to do it over like two weeks. Yeah. There's like people say between like a week and two weeks. Um, I did it within like four days. So I did like ten, eight, five, or no, no, yeah, ten, eight, five, and then one liter of uh, distilled water on. Uh, Thursday, yeah, and then uh, you had your weigh-ins Thursday. The weigh-ins were oh, yeah, sorry. So Wednesday, I did the one liter, and uh, then finished that about like twelve o'clock, 
and then no water until the next day after I weighed in at the uh, on the official scale at eleven. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so your body just keeps uh, flushing it out. You keep urinating, and yeah, because your body's used to intaking so much water, and there's no minerals holding it in your body, so you just keep flushing it out. Wow. And then I just sat in an Epsom salt bath at ten o'clock the next day and sweated out in five, in uh, forty five minutes. And uh, made weight, no problem. Insane. So just hot as you can stand at water, loaded yeah. with Epsom salts, yeah. and your body will just flush out that last five or six pounds of, of water. Yeah, so I sat in there for 45 minutes, and then I got out and laid on some towels and had my buddy cover me in towels, and it just sucks the water out <laughs> of you. And uh, yeah, I didn't feel very good for 30 <laughs> minutes, but after that, I felt I felt fine, made weight, no problem. Wow. And then to rehydrate, you're just, uh, you know, energy drinks, um Salt, sugar, water. Um, I read a George Lockhart uh, article or something, interview, and uh, he said he makes a shake out of BCAs and he puts a, a crap ton of uh, sea salt in it. Yeah. And I didn't measure the sea salt, but I think I put way too much. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I drank it all and then uh, I just uh, kept drinking water, lemon water. Uh, I drank a ton of fluids. Yeah. And... Uh, Put on like 15 pounds that day just of, of fluids and God. sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Get your carbs in there with the sushi yeah. and your proteins, your omegas, and then the the smoothie to get you loaded up. Yeah, I weighed in at 4 o'clock at 163.8, uh, and I went to bed that night at 160.3. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so you walked into the ring probably about that 160, 162. Yeah, I was uh, 159, actually, when they weighed us in right before the fight. Okay. And it uh, it's a 155-pound match, right? Uh, it was 145. 145. Yeah. Holy Dinah. Yeah. That's awesome. I you, Some of these UFC guys, I've heard rumors that Benavida will lose. I think he walks around at 190 or 195. Joseph Benavidez? Yeah, and fights at 145. 25. Oh yeah, he's been as low as twenty five. He's a yeah, he's to a double weight. check those stats, but um, yeah, he he loses something like fifty five or sixty pounds from his walk around weight to when he wow. fights. That's, That's unbelievable. But ex wrestler, right? Those guys yeah. have done that for years and years. So yeah, yeah, I, I I wrestled, but I didn't cut very much weight when I wrestled. So uh, and my my body just has a really hard time getting above one sixty five. Like yeah. if I'm fat. Or in great shape, I just... You're 165 I, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, I'm one, 160. Did I could be fat or I could be ripped in shape, and I'm, I'm one, 160. Weird. My body just doesn't go above that Do weight. you do any uh, weightlifting? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, I do more um, more reps than heavy stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do, like, we, we call it lunch crunch, and we do, like, high intensity, and it's usually just, like, a half an hour workout, but it's just pumping it the whole time. Okay. I've um, I've just recently switched. Uh, last night was my first workout. I used to do lightweights for lots of reps, yeah. and then I did some research and found that. And for me, I'm trying to cut the fat out of my my diet uh, or out of my body, and I wasn't getting the results. So now I've switched to super heavy lifting and low reps. So I've almost doubled all my weights, and then uh, I'm only doing five to seven reps of each one for three sets. So we'll see how that goes the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's interesting because like low weights, you do more cardio and you'd think cardio would shave off the fat more, right? What? I, and everyone's different. So I don't want to say like this is the only way to do it. But when 
what we're working on, or the theory we're working on right now, is that uh, burn the glycogen stores, so the the heavy lifting for 45 minutes, and then I'll go do cardio for a half hour to 40 minutes, um, but keeping my heart rate low, like you know 120, 122, somewhere around there, and just do that for as long, like just burn out the. I did the rowing machine um, there, so I kept it at about that 120 for uh, 30 minutes. We did, I think, uh, just about um, 7k on there so it was a good workout to to finish it up but my heart rate never got really really high and supposedly burning off the glycogen store so high heart rate for a short period of time whether it's weightlifting or cardio and then dropping it right down just is supposed to be fat burning mode so we'll see it's not out of nowhere. We're not just making stuff up. We, yeah. we did a bunch yeah. of reading. My wife coaches people on um, health and uh, food and diet and stuff like that. And she had a guy that he was doing Orange Fitness, and they try to keep you in the red, right? Like so right, right, high right. heart rate for long periods of time. And that's on the bike, right? They, I believe theory. they do it all, like it's a spin bike or a spin class kind of thing. Yeah, and they got you all hooked up to a... Uh, yeah, to heart monitor, monitor and all that yeah. stuff. And so she told him about this, and he's like, okay, well, it's going to be really embarrassing for me to show up and not be in the red and just be in the green. She's like, go in the red for 15 to 20 minutes, burn off all the glycogen stores in your muscle, and then drop right down to, I think she said, 70% of your max. You take uh, 220 uh, minus your age times 0.7. That's your 70% of your max. Um, So mine, I think, is 122 or 123 is my 70% of my max. Um, So he did that for five days, lost nine pounds. And he had hit a wall where he wasn't losing any weight. And then he did it again the next week, and he lost seven pounds. So, yeah, like he's knocking it out of the park as far of it and not putting in nearly as much effort as he did before. So finding that ultimate range to so that your body's in fat burning mode is is working for a few people. I don't know how many or what the stats are, but it is what it is. So I that's what I'm gonna give it a go. Old guy, trying new things. What do I got to lose? I don't have a fight coming up. So. Yeah, yeah. Might as well give it a try. <laughs> yeah, like I've tried fasted cardio. I've tried fueled cardio. I've tried fasted weightlifting, you know, all kinds of workouts. And none of them, like my 185 was my lowest. And I'm still 23% body fat or 24% body fat. So if I can get down to the, you know, 19 or 18% body fat, but that... If I don't build any muscle, 19% body fat for me, I would be about 179 pounds. I don't know if my body will go down there. But if I can increase the muscle and decrease the fat at the same time, then those two levels. So I'm not worrying so much about what the end scale says, but what the percentage of fat on my body is. Yeah. 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 I think it's good to concentrate on that because I think like concentrating on your weight can be really deceiving unless you're like, you have to be, uh, unless you're cutting weight, you have to. Right. Concentrate on it. I think concentrating on your your weight is super deceiving and can be really detrimental because you like uh you get kind of negative about it because yeah. you're putting on muscle. A lot of times, like people are amping up their training, so they're putting on weight. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're, they're they're losing fat but gaining muscle and gaining more weight. Right. And they're not. A lot of people don't fuel their body properly, and that's yeah. where it's got to start, right? Like, yeah. well, I'll just cut the food out and I'll lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're also not feeding your cells to regrow your body and to be healthy yeah. and like all your organs are suffering all the time so that's the first thing my wife did to me she's like you have to eat more like a lot yeah. more and so um, I ramped up my food like 1800 calories 
um, doing 50% um, carbohydrates, 20% protein, and 30% fat. And uh, that's a lot of food. When you're only eating clean, that's a bucket load of food to get in in a day. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people make that mistake of not refueling their body, and then their body just holds onto it. Yeah, and it's it's super detrimental. But yeah, you gotta you gotta fuel your body, and your body will. You take care of your body, your body will take care of you. It seems like young guys like you, it almost doesn't matter, although it should. But old guys like me, we gotta fuel it properly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this is uh, we're an hour and a half in. This wow. was uh, <laughs> yeah, this was awesome. Um, I'd love to have you back again. You were talking about doing uh, to steal from Joe Rogan to do a fight companion. Yeah, that'd be um, sweet. We can maybe get that done. We'll uh, let me know when you're free, and we'll we'll set something up. We'll, we'll get the fights on the TV. We'll move the mics into the living room, and uh, we'll do a fight companion. Maybe bring uh, your cornerman along with you or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, he'd love to. Cool, cool. Did you get that package I sent you? Did it come in? Yeah, yet? it came in just in time. My Beautiful. mom got it to me in the dressing room right before no the fight. No way. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah. So thank you again for that. Thank you to you and uh, combat dna yeah you're welcome um anything you want to add before we shut her down uh could i thank my other sponsors absolutely as well? yeah um i want to thank uh conash and uh mutters for supporting me and uh, uh black rifle coffee access capital um trisha cooper massage therapy and uh yoga nation beautiful but, yeah i've got all really red deer companies i'm assuming uh yeah except for combat dna yeah yeah um yeah, I've got such amazing supporters b- behind me, and uh, I couldn't get the couldn't get the win for them this time, but I'll get it next time. Awesome, and we'll uh, we'll post all your sh- social media links. Um, do you have any um, videos of the fight? Uh, yeah, I got a I got a choppy video, and then okay. uh, I can I can give you the link to uh, the actual feed, but it's like it's a pay per view. Oh, okay, on uh, Fight TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, this is Chad and Connor, and I want to know, and I want to know about uh, MMA, and I think we got our boots filled today. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chad. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time.